if I said to you, what if I opened tonight just out of the blue by saying, hey folks, uh, for this reason, if I were to say that, what question would immediately pop into your mind? Yeah, yeah, for what reason? Okay, keeping that in mind, let's resume our study in Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter 2 tonight, uh, verses 1 to 4. And, and, and I want you to see how the writer, whoever he is of this letter, how he begins. It's Hebrews chapter 2. We call it the letter of better. And tonight's text begins in chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Look how it begins. For this reason, see, it's the same question, isn't it? The same statement, for this reason. And it begs the question, for what reason? Uh, the, the, the author, uh, under inspiration of God himself, is quite creative because that phrase obligates us to pause and look back. For this reason, and in answer to the question, for what reason, we have to go back a little bit and see what he had previously said. And you know what he said? He said, this Jesus, this Son of God, uh, he is better than uh, the prophets. And not only that, he is better uh, than the angels. For this reason, because of the superiority of the Son, for this reason, this, this is what he's, he's saying right now, and now he's going to draw an application in the very next phrase. Since he is superior, since his voice is better than all others, for this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. You see, because of who he is, what he has to say is vital. Because, and the author has made the case, he's argued so persuasively that this Jesus is superior to all prophets and to all angels. And because of it, says the author, for this reason, we, believers, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. Many voices beckon for our attention today. But the best of all voices, the one whose voice is better than all others, the Lord Jesus demands our attention. Who do you listen to? It, God has spoken to you and to me through his son. Do you listen to him primarily? Or are you getting flooded with a multitude of competing voices so that what you're left with is a lot of confusion. You know, the writer of an Old Testament book said, when you listen to the voices of too many writers, you get confused. <laughs> I paraphrased a little bit. I don't think he's railing against books. I think he's just warning us against too many books. When you could hear the voice of the author, not of a book, but of the universe, and of the author of your salvation. It's a very, very subtle thing. Even many good Christian voices, radio, TV, and all the rest, all of which I support, don't misunderstand. It's not an either or, or thing. It's a matter of balance. What about the voice of the one whose voice is far better than all others? What the writer of Hebrews is saying is that in the Christian life, we once, we who are Christians, listened to the voice of the Savior. But what about now? 
we still daily need to pay close attention. We cannot treat his voice lightly. We cannot act as if he has nothing further to say to us. He spoke about salvation. What a message. It transformed our lives. Now, are we finished listening? Does he have nothing more to say to us in our daily experience? The writer of Hebrews says, oh, no, he has much to say. In fact, literally, the phrase we just read about paying attention says, it is exceedingly necessary that we give heed to what we have heard from the voice of the Lord Jesus. And so listening to his voice is not merely an option to be exercised when we are in crisis. Please do so then, but not just then. His word, you see, is vital and far better than all other voices and words we Christians could lend our ears to. So why do we need to pay such close attention regularly, daily, to what he says? Well, here's the next phrase, so that we do not drift away from it. I made the point that I believed Hebrews was written to believers. Uh, it doesn't mean it can't be read by others, but I think the intended recipients are believers. So Hebrews is not an evangelistic tractate. It's written to believers who face the danger of drifting away from the great voice of the great Savior who has ushered in our lives a great salvation. Listen with exceeding intensity and urgency, says the writer, to the voice, the words of the Lord Jesus so that we do not drift away from it. Uh, it's a danger we face. No, 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 not the loss of our salvation. No, 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 something more subtle than that. Not the loss of our salvation, but the loss of interest in the voice of the Savior. I read today a study, it's very disturbing, about the lack of disciplined Bible reading on the part of most Christians. That's a shame, isn't it? We're free to read it in this country, at least for now. We're free to choose the translation we're most comfortable with. Many of us have multitudes of translations. We're not going to lose our salvation, but we could lose our interest in listening to the voice of the Savior. This is the real danger. We could drift away from an interest in what he has to say. Uh, have you ever seen something, have you ever been in a boat like a, you're fishing or something, and you see a leaf floating across the water or a piece of wood or a, a dead fish? You, you know what they're doing? You know what those things are doing? Nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. And that's all we have to do to have the same experience of drifting away from the voice of the Savior. Just do nothing. You don't have to be a horrible person in the midst of horrific sin. You could just become a Christian who's not giving 
urgent attention to the voice of the Savior. It's a very subtle kind of a thing. And then you just find yourself more and more floating away from his interests, from the things he has called us into. Let's pay closer attention, you and I, to the words of the Savior, because his is a far better voice to pay attention to. And now the author's argument in that light continues in verse 2. You see, for if the word spoken through angels, did you know angels spoke words? Yet they, they do. In fact, uh, listen to this. Um, on Mount Sinai, God gave the law to Moses. It's called the law of Moses on Mount Sinai. In the Old Testament, it doesn't specifically say this, but it strongly implies that the agency by which God communicated his laws to Moses was through angels. The Old Testament implies this. And the New Testament actually makes it clearer in various places, as, for instance, Acts chapter 7, verse 53, you who received the law as ordained by angels. Well, that's not a topic I want to really spend a whole lot of time with tonight. I just want to tell you the author is right. If you have listened to the word of angels, that's what it says. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received the just penalty, now this is what he says in verse 3, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If the words communicated by angels, which the author has already demonstrated, are not as good as the Lord Jesus, if their words, if disobeyed and dismissed, carry with it consequences, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Again, the we is believers. We, we. How will we escape? So the author is saying to us, there are consequences if we drift away from the word, from the voice of the Lord Jesus. What is the consequence? Loss of salvation? Once again, I insist, no. No, that is not the teaching of the Bible. Uh, that would be based on a gross misunderstanding of the nature of salvation which has been given as a free, undeserved, unmerited, unearned gift. That's really good. You can't forfeit something you didn't deserve to begin with. It's all based on the grace of the Lord Jesus. So the consequence for drifting away from the words, from the voice of the Lord Jesus is not that we will lose salvation, but we will lose joy. And we will lose opportunities to be used by him. And we will lose a sense of purpose in life. And we will lose our way. And we will lose our mooring points. And we will lose opportunities. And then we will lose reward, which I think the Lord yearns to bequeath to us when we see him face to face. Listen, this is a great Savior from whom we have received a great salvation. Therefore, it is to be taken seriously. It is to be valued. It is to be shared. It is to be guarded. 
It is to be defended. We are to live consistently with it. We are to grow with respect to it. So notice what is mentioned here in verse 3 is not rejecting salvation. It is neglecting salvation. That's important. You see, unbelievers are folks who sadly reject salvation. Believers are folks who sadly run the risk of neglecting salvation. Can you see the, see the difference? So what does it mean? It means we take our salvation for granted. <clears throat> so I have a new computer. And on it, it has something called iPhoto. You know about this? It's unbelievable. So all of our photos, we scanned them. You know what I'm talking about? This is like new to me. I'm speaking in tongues right here. <laughs> we took all our photos. We scanned them in there for years and years. We scanned them. They appear on the computer electronically. Then you can go to this thing called iPhoto. You can label them. You can date them. You could... You could... Uh, Correct the defects. I made myself look taller. <laughs> you can, it's just un. And while I'm looking, uh, I, 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 we had scanned in slides over 30 years ago. Uh, I, I, I was a relatively new Christian. 1973, I came to, to know the Lord. I was in the military. I was in a barracks. I was in bad shape. I was talking to my new friend Brad right there who just read Carl's book a while ago, and Fred is with us for the first time. Welcome, welcome to you. And some of our experience is similar. And uh, Brad, those, those were the days when I was struggling with some of the things we mentioned briefly. And, uh, and this Lord Jesus, made a, the one you read about, made a real difference in my life. And, and I have those pictures from that day. And it brought back such great feelings. I remember how excited I was to be forgiven and uh, to be uh, accepted to, to the most, by the Most High God and to be kind of like adopted into his family. My family wasn't so hot. And so to be adopted into his, oh, my goodness, I remember. And then I started hanging out with others who were like me. Who also, who also believed in Jesus. And we would just do things together. We would pray. And we would, uh, we, would do, we would do like what we're doing here. We would come to church together. We would sing and read the Bible and do those things. I remember we got together to support a missionary in Australia. I didn't even know where Australia was. And I could have a role in what this guy in Australia was doing simply by... By, by helping him financially. It was these, and then I got real sad because as I looked at these photos, I thought, oh, I've lost a little bit of the enthusiasm for the faith. Oh. I've, I've lost the edge to some extent. Oh, I've not lost my salvation. No, no, no. Because it's not about my grip on the Savior. It's about the Savior's grip on me. Mine is really weak. His is really strong. Nothing will 
get me out of his hand. I'm safe and secure, but maybe a little, a little too safe and secure to appreciate it. So I, I, I thought, oh, I've been taken for granted. Now, it, sometimes it comes Sunday and I go, do you mind me confessing this to you? I'll tell you why I'm doing it, because it's you too. Do you know that's why God doesn't preach to us primarily through angels? It's flawed people talking to other people about the only one without sin, <laughs> the Lord Jesus. So we can't be arrogant towards one another, hold these flaws against one another. I mean, it's all of us. So I don't mind telling you. There are some times it's time for Sunday. It's the Lord's day. It's a worship day. And sometimes I say, oh, man. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go. Oh, brother. I'm going to be there like all day. <laughs> There's some people there I don't want to see. Chuck is teaching. <laughs> but I remember when I first heard the voice of the, this great Savior about this great salvation. I remember going to this very small church outside this military installation. <clears throat> It was called Pleasant View Berean Fundamentalist Church. Those are my roots. <clears throat> Not too many people. I couldn't wait to go. I couldn't wait to go. We would sing really badly, but with enthusiasm. So loudly, once the choir director stepped down uh, during our interaction time in the most gracious and loving way, said to me and the friends I was sitting with, fellas, I really appreciate your enthusiasm, but could you sing a little more softly? You're throwing the choir off. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Man, I was there. That was my church. That was my new family. I belonged. We sang to the Lord Jesus, who saved us with such a great salvation. And I remember the disciplines with respect to salvation, a prayer list. <laughs> Evangelism outreach, prayer nights, Bible study, special, pointed, focused, exciting, giving projects, all the rest. I'm still quite interested in all those things. Don't misunderstand. But a little bit, maybe a lot of the edge. I don't know. What have I done? Nothing. Just float. 
just float through life being securely saved and taking for granted the voice of the author of this great salvation with respect to talk to me, walk with me, obey me, follow me, tell that person about me. You see? You could just drift away. It's not just me, is it? It's everyone to whom the writer of Hebrews is writing. It's you and me. So if we do not listen to this Jesus every day, we're neglecting his great salvation. If we don't talk to him, think of him, consider him, meet with others who know him, pray for those who do not, support efforts to present him to them, give to causes that honor him, serve in a way that pleases him. If we're not enveloped by the voice of the Savior, don't you see with respect to all the things pertaining to this great salvation, then we are in danger of drifting from it. So I ask you, lovingly, and as you, <laughs> are you neglecting your great salvation? What's so great about it? What else is all of grace? Tell me. What? Give me something else that's all of grace, I dare you. Everything is contingent on what you do. Grades, raises, <laughs> promotions. Favor in people's eyes. <laughs> Whatever. Tell me something that's all of grace. Which says, in spite of you, irrespective of what you do, I do this for you. I die that you might live. It's a great salvation. The angels in some way administrated the law through Moses to the ancient Israelites. And what a wonderful gift is the law, a reflection of the moral character of Almighty God. Have you tried living by it lately? The law is not the great message of salvation. The law is a mirror pointing out to us our need for a great salvation. For though the law is perfect and good, I'm not, you're not. It says don't and I do. It says do and I don't. That's what the law does. But the message of great salvation says in spite of the fact that something is in you driving you not to do what you ought and to do what you ought not in spite of it, I will save you from yourself. I will save you from your sin. I will save you from its presence, its power, and its penalty. I will save you. And then I'll latch onto you and take you with me forever. I will be your God. That's a great salvation. You know why else it's so great? Not just because of its content, but because of the means by which it was communicated. Look what it says. After it was at the first spoken through the Lord. 
after this. It was confirmed to us by those who heard. It's not only a great message of salvation because it's all about grace. It's not only a great salvation because it emanates from the voice of the Lord himself. It's also a great salvation because, look at verse 4, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his. This is a great message. It says, in spite of you, I will save you. I love you. I will adopt you. I will grant you eternal life. I will be with you forever. You can refer to Almighty God as I do. Father. He's our Father. Say, our Father who art. You can do all the. What a great salvation. Because it's, it's inherently based on grace. And also look how it's been communicated by the voice of the Lord himself. And then confirmed by all these supernatural signs and wonders. Don't you see this voice? This Jesus has a right to be heard by all people, but especially by those who have been saved by him. Many things distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian. Make no mistake about it, here is one. The Christian has been born again with new ears. We can now hear the things. We now can be attuned to the things which fell on deaf ears. Why are we neglecting it? We can hear the voice of the Lord. We have the mind of Christ. We can hear when he calls. We have an affinity for his inscripturated words in the Bible. It's not nonsense to us. It's not mythological. We do not think it's filled with errors. We think it's the word of God. We don't think it contains truth and parts. We think it is all true. We hear this. That's what distinguishes us from those yet to be set. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. So I need the book of Hebrews, do you? Through which I ask myself the question, please do the same. Have I drifted? Have you drifted? Ask the question. If so, I, you, we're losing out. Let's stop now. Let's stop the drift. Let's stop doing nothing and floating away. Let's listen to the Lord better. Every day. For his voice, voice is far better than all others. Do you like hymns? I like hymns. My ear is attuned to him. I like all songs that glorify the Lord Jesus. My ear is particularly attuned to him, hymns, however, uh, because at Pleasant View Berean Fundamentalist Church, that's what we sang. There was no such thing as praise choruses in those days, which I love. Don't misunderstand. But, but, so my ear is more, a little more attuned to hymns. And uh, uh, one in particular I love. It's called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You know it? Yeah. It was written by a man named Robert Robinson. He wrote it a long time ago. And Robert Robinson came to know the Lord under the preaching of a man. Tell me if you heard of this man. George Whitfield. You ever hear him? Yeah. 
itinerant evangelist of old. George Whitfield led this man, Robert Robinson, to the Lord. Robert Robertson was redeemed, and then he drifted. He did not ever reject his salvation. He neglected it. He drifted. He was a pastor. He became a pastor and a good one. What? Even a pastor can drift? Yes. Hebrews is written to, all, to us believers. Pastors are not immune from the danger of floating away from the voice of the Lord. Pastors are in jeopardy because pastors are inundated with potentially distracting voices. Not bad ones, good ones, but not the best voice. So sometimes pastors have drifted away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. I had some time today. I didn't waste it, but I had some time, and I went online, and I went to this site. It's a beautiful site on ministry and so on, and articles and things you could read and learn. They're really well written. They're good, and I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm looking at three, four, five of them quickly. Next thing I know, I'm all stressed out. For crying out loud, I don't know what to do first. Then I figured out what to do. Turn off the computer. <laughs> and I sat down and I did this. <sighs> when I sang, come thou fount of every blessing. I know it by heart. And I said, thank you for streams of mercy. Thank you for saving me, great Savior, with a great salvation. I listened to his voice. I sat there. If the Son, I remember hearing this, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free. Oh, God, I don't feel so free. I feel burdened. Then it's as if I heard his voice. Your fault. I didn't tell you to read all this stuff. Do it if you want to. I said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. One voice, the far better one. Anyway, this wonderful hymn writer, wonderful pastor drifted away. He did not reject salvation. Once again, I'd be sure of this, he neglected it. And, 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 and he, he found the consequences thereof inescapable. What were the consequences? No, not loss of salvation. Loss of peace. Loss of hope. Loss of purpose. Loss of joy. So he became empty. And in a quest to find what he could only have from the voice of the Lord Jesus, he began to travel. And during one of his journeys, he met a young woman with apparently a strong spiritual inclination. And on one occasion, she said to him, I've just read the words of a hymn. 
It's marvelous. Are you familiar with it? She showed it to him. It was his hymn. He wrote it. And he broke down. It was the Lord's merciful voice through that woman who called his attention to a day. John, Mark, that beautiful song you led us in, we will remember. Now the hymn writer, because of the gentle voice of the Lord, was remembering the time when he wrote the words of that hymn as a reflection of the work of great salvation done on his heart by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he realized he had drifted, and he confessed the drift, and he confessed that he had taken lightly and for granted. He had rendered common what is not common. It is special. It is a great salvation. He confessed all that and didn't exactly know where now to go, and the woman reminded him from the words of his own hymn that the streams of mercy are still flowing. And it was through her encouragement and through the far better voice of the Lord Jesus that Robinson was restored fully to vibrant, exuberant, fresh, cutting-edge fellowship with his first love, the Lord Jesus. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. And my fellow Christians, those streams of mercy still flow for you and for me. Having sensed the drift, perhaps, and realizing the merciful voice of your merciful Savior, perhaps tonight is the time for you and for me to stop doing nothing and to return to full investment, devotion, and enthusiasm for the Savior. Perhaps tonight is the moment for you and I to pay closer attention to what we have heard, need to continue to hear daily from our great Savior about our great salvation. So I want to invite you to join me. I'm one of you in kneeling here in a few moments unashamedly <clears throat> your voices to me are not as important as his what you think is not as important as his nor mine with regard to you I want you to come forward as the Holy Spirit leads unashamedly what will people think who knows what will your Savior think? He will think, welcome back. I missed my time with you. He'll say, you've been busy. <laughs> you've been away. <clears throat> Have you missed snuggling up to me? Buddy, I love that. I miss snuggling with you.
Can you stand to your feet with me and prepare your hearts to hear? Not from me, but from the Lord Jesus. Listen, I just want to read you this. Words of this hymn. Oh, to grace, not fear of punishment. No. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily. See, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my, what kind of heart? See, here it is, wandering heart to thee. Why? See, prone to wander. Uh, the, 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 the writer of Hebrews knows this in Robert Robinson. Do you know this? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's not that you have ceased to love the Lord Jesus. That is what's so ironic about this. You and I are prone to drift from the very one we do love. It's the way it is. It's quite a danger. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. We're going to sing the words of this hymn. And as you feel moved by the Holy Spirit to nail the stake in the ground and say on this date, in this place, Oh, God, I renewed my interest in so great a salvation ushered in by your far better voice for you are the great savior and now oh god be pleased what do you have for me how could i glorify you now more as we sing together come and heal and then after a while our pastor is going to pray over us i need my pastor to pray over me if you do you come forward as we sing together